There's the Hoosiers and goodbye, Mr. A. Then it's Richard Bovers and here until midday today. On a story to tell, I've got the boss coming in, as Gerard said. It's not Bruce Springsteen. Apparently, he's not very well at the moment. So, uh, so no, it's not that boss. It's the boss of this station, Radio Bath. So, Steve Fountain's coming in very shortly. If you do have any questions for him, it's studio at radiobath.com or you can text Bath, followed by your message to 80011. So, any questions like that for Steve Fountain, who's going to be our guest on a story to tell today? I love the fact that we've got Sophie B. Hawkins followed by ELO. Wonder who chooses the music. Says ELO with Roll Over Beethoven. So I am here today on a story to tell. Wait for the big ending. There it goes. I'm here today with Steve Fountain. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Richard. How are you? You asked about who chooses the music, and a lot of people think it's me, um, but actually I don't. Um, we have a piece of software uh, called Music One, Okay. and um, I can schedule a day's music in about 20 seconds. So we can't blame you for all the music choices? Well, you can up to a point, because... Uh, all the music that sits within the kind of playlist system there's a lot um and it probably needs thinning out a little bit after nearly three years but um uh i do go through each day as i schedule it and just pick out any anomalies so for instance yesterday morning when i was on I had um, Oasis and Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds back to back. How could you have that? I turned it into a feature (laughs) because I just missed it. So, yeah, I'd uh, I'd, I'd sort of choose the music, but only by virtue of the fact that it was me that put all the music into the system in the first place. Fair enough. Which seemed to take forever. You did choose that track, though, because I did say I like ELO, yeah. You like ELO, so I thought I'd put some ELO on there for you. So who is Steve Fountain? Steve Fountain is the programme controller of Radio Bath. And uh, first of all, how does it feel being on the other side of the desk? I'm fine. I'm quite comfortable either way, really. Have you been that side many times? Um, uh, yeah, quite a bit, yeah? to be honest, yeah. Oh, that's quite nice. It is quite nice. So tell us a little bit. How did you get into radio presenting, and when did you actually start? Um, <clears throat> well, the start goes back to the mid-1970s when I was serving in the Royal Navy, and I was on board a ship, and they asked me to well they asked for a volunteer to um uh go into a small booth where we had a couple of turntables and play play some songs for the the guys on board the ship and um uh in the best traditions of service personnel i was volunteered yeah. because nobody put their hand up so they just pointed at somebody and said you boy in you go was well, it the they? classic thing of you're all in a line and everybody else stood back it was kind of close to that we're all in our mess and somebody just go, because i was a communicator so they assumed that communicators would be able to communicate and um they just came in and they said we need somebody to do this and uh we were in the mediterranean i think and um uh, which is relevant, and I'll come back to that in a moment. And uh, nobody put their hand up, so they just went, you, off you go. 
I said, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got any records or anything. No, we got a whole you know category of a library in the in the in the office there so all right but it was a bit um it's a bit random to say the least so i did a couple of hours and uh and did a bit of chat and played a few songs and uh when i came off um some people said to me that was really good i really enjoyed that and you should do some more and I thought, yes, I should, because nobody had ever told me thus, thus far that I was any good at anything, frankly. Oh. So, or it felt like that. So um, uh, I carried on doing it. And then we came home on leave. Um, and I thought, I'm going to be a DJ. So I went and bought some disco equipment. And um, we went back out to the Mediterranean. We turned up in, in somewhere, a place called Genoa, okay. where, we were, where we were alongside and um uh i put on a, a party i went to a local bar said you know i'm from the ship based the royal navy ship here can we have a can we have a party for some of the guys tonight and they said yeah you can do i said well i got some disco equipment so you don't need any of that we've got all this stuff already built in here so i went in and did that okay i then um spent some time down at hms osprey which was in portland and uh um in the summer of 70 uh, three or four, I think it was seventy-three. Um, I went into a, uh, a well-known uh, pub down there called the Victoria Bars. So I go to Weymouth most years for a day, and sadly the Vic Bars has, has closed up, um, and I don't know why. Perhaps it's for renovation or something. But uh, anyway, I went in there, and there was a DJ at the back of the back of the bar called Doug Martell, and uh, I'd had a couple of cans. And I went and told him I thought he was rubbish. <laughs> and he said to me, if you can do better, sober up and come back tonight. So I sobered up and I went back that night. And to be honest, I didn't do better than him. He was really good. Okay. Um, but I did okay and sufficiently well enough for him to say, would you like to come back and do some more while you're here? And I said, yeah, I would. So that sort of started that, that process. And then it basically went on from there right into the late 70s when... Uh, when I started thinking seriously about getting into radio. And it was Chilton 1981, is that right, when you first Yeah, October the radio? 15th, 1981. I love um, the fact that you can still remember the dates. I can, yeah, yeah. Well, it's I've, I've got a, um, uh, a paperweight, a sort of uh, brass paperweight, which right. they gave everybody that uh, launched on, on that day. And I was on air on the first day. I was the sort of token local, really. I still had a full-time job at the time. I worked for a company called Chubb, Chubb Fire. And... Um, the process of getting there was was a bit arduous uh, uh myself and, um, and my friend called bill young who was a scott fellow who lived in luton which is where we were both from and uh he and i uh were doing a bit of hospital radio we set up some record decks my record decks in his uh, caravan we ran cables from you know um uh, uh and electricity cables from uh uh from his house down this immensely long garden to the to the caravan and we sat in there and created these these demo tapes which we ran by some friends of ours uh one guy in particular um uh was a the program controller at radio hallam up in sheffield and um we went up to see him and sat in on his rock show one monday evening so we traveled from luton to sheffield and we played him the demo and he said yeah it's all right he said i think you need to do this and this and this so subsequently we, we went back we worked on it over a few weekends and we kept sending him the demos until he kept saying yes i think that's okay you can send that in and we sent it in and bill heard almost immediately right got a got a call straight away we'd love to talk to you and was offered a job 
uh, doing uh, three shows a week or something. I didn't hear anything for months. <laughs> and uh, one day, um, uh, Bill was in... He'd already started uh, working there. And Bill got in and spoke to Gloria, who was the programme controller's PA. And he said, my mate um, sent a demo in the same time as me, and he's never heard anything. And he said, to be honest, I think what he sent in was all right. And she said, well, what was his name? And uh, Gloria said, it was Steve Fountain. She said, for goodness sake, she said, we, we knew about him, but he didn't put any contact details on the letter. Oh, really? <laughs> so uh, eventually uh, I got a conversation with uh, with the program management there and uh, and got offered a job. And, you know, then we launched on October the 15th, 81. Yeah. So this is Chilton Radio. That's then. Chilton Radio, okay, yeah. Okay, so wh- where did you go after that then? How, how oh, well, that, um, uh, that I... Uh, I, I came a bit off the rails. I got a bit carried away with my own importance while I was at Chilton, I think, after a couple of years. And I think you need to remember that at that time, local radio, it's not as it as it is today, in a sense, or as it became. You know, local radio at that time, um, you were something of a, a kind of small-time personality in your area. And uh, the newspapers would be would be on to you and taking pictures and complaining that you were earning lots of money if you went and did a gig in a pub or a club or something like that. And uh, I got a little bit of that, but but mostly I got I just got carried away with my own importance and I thought I was better than I really was. And I treated a lot of people around me, including my wife at the time, Mary, really appallingly. And you know, and um, uh, it obviously got divorced and so on and so forth. And I just, I didn't have anywhere to live for a while. I was sharing rooms with my friends, and um, yeah, it was a. By this time, I was early 30s late 20s early 30s and i i was just in a really bad place which was a place entirely of my own yeah. you know my own uh, making i didn't choose to be there but i created the circumstances that found me ended up there and um uh i had some good friends around and they helped me out and uh yeah for about two or three years it was a really difficult place to be and i was i was a i just thought i was the you know a pretty poor human being at that time to be honest and, and what did that teach you i suppose in regards to moving forwards with your life and and your radio career as well well i i i wasn't thinking about the radio career at that time because okay. um, i I'd, I'd left chilton and um i didn't want to go anywhere else um i th- i think i fell out of love with radio in that in some period while i was at chilton and i you know i I think that was all driven by my own sort of excuse me my own egotistical uh behavior um uh bill also left chilton and eventually went up to work in uh, newcastle for uh for the metro radio group and in between me leaving chilton and going up to meet the guys from metro radio because bill introduced me to them um, it was a period of about, uh, uh, it was a few years, three or four years maybe, something like that. And I sort of just, I, I bummed around doing this and that. Um, I met my now wife, Tina, um, doing some disco, while well, I was doing some discos, because I continued to do those. Um, I got a job with uh, um, an estate agent. Because okay. when I met Tina, I was driving taxis for £10 a day. I mean, I was in a terrible place, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, when I met Tina, I thought, I've got to do better this time. So um, I went and got myself a job. And I ended up working for Taylor's Estate Agents. Um, 
and you know what? I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, I know they have a terrible reputation, but um, uh, I really enjoyed that 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 work. And uh, from there, some of the directors of Taylor's went off and formed a, a business in North London called Lanes. They invited me to go and join them. Um, I became a manager uh, subsequently of their Palmer's Green business. And uh, Kevin and Mike and Pete really looked after me. And um, I'm very grateful you know for that period for what they did they straightened me out bill invited me up to uh, metro i went up to newcastle on on some uh, time off met the guys up there it was clear that i wasn't in any way shape or form ready to go back on radio but they were prepared to to um give me some space and time if it's something i chose to do okay. and, and what happened around about that period of the sort of latish 80s was interest rates went to about 17 percent or something yeah and um the the market the market became very challenging for estate agents and uh i just said to tina why don't i try and get back into radio somewhere and um she said well if you want to do that i'll support that so i went back up to newcastle i spent some time living with bill in his flat in elmouth and uh traveling into um newcastle to go and spend time at metro radio um a little community radio station opened in uh, sunderland um uh, they put me in touch with metro radio put me in touch with the the lady that was running that an australian lady who was completely bonkers and uh she said yeah come and join us um we've got our team but you can do overnights and i thought okay fine i'll do overnights so i did something like two o'clock till six o'clock in the morning it gets you back into it doesn't it that was the thing exactly and and um through that giles squire who was a program controller at uh at metro radio at the time um saw something of interest and recommended me to um some other radio stations they owned in yorkshire and i went uh, i went and spoke to the program controller for their am network down there um called dean pepple and uh, and dean offered me a job but even the process of getting that wasn't straightforward because i was driving down the a1 and there'd been an accident and i was about two hours late getting to dean and of course well before mobile phones yeah and um uh he offered me a job and uh, I went and worked in, in Sheffield for five or six years and that's pretty much what I've done ever since really. I, I have to say I was looking at some, uh, whenever I interview anybody, even yourself Steve, I, I'd like to call it research, other people call it stalking, but I like to call <laughs> it research and there are some amazing photographs of yourself back in the 80s. At Did I have hair? Well, not much. No, no. <laughs> Even then, I don't think you had hair. But it was cl- is it classic gold Yorkshire? Yeah, I went to classic gold. That's that's what the Dean Pepple ran. Classic gold Yorkshire it became Great Yorkshire Radio and a few other names over the years. But yeah, I, I, I went there, worked with some brilliant people. Um, I loved it, and Tina and I had a, a really good time living in Sheffield. And we still go up there now to visit our friends that we um, that we met up there and. Um, yeah, it was a great time, and, it, and, I, and I really enjoyed it, and um, I learned, I'd learned a lot about myself in the intervening period between leaving Chilton and starting there, and I just approached things from a completely different perspective, yeah. and, um, you know, I've been very fortunate ever since that... Uh, so- so my only thought what? process is that you're from <clears throat> Luton originally, is that correct? Yeah, well, um, see, there's right. another story, but you can say I was adopted. Okay. Um, I was born in uh, Chiswick in London, adopted, right. and end up moving to uh, a place near Luton called Dunstable. Okay, but you are a southerner. Yes. You are a southerner, yeah. and you're on classic gold Yorkshire. Yes. 
how did they cope or how did they take you as a southerner in Yorkshire because they are very much you know I've been up there quite a lot and they love Yorkshire people Yorkshire people love Yorkshire people how did you get on with that uh, absolutely brilliantly I loved it it was great um uh, I don't think it really mattered where I was from I I think what mattered was how I um, became involved in the Yorkshire community um classic gold yorkshire at that time covered the whole of i mean it's you know west yorkshire east yorkshire um uh south yorkshire so all the big cities hull and bradford and sheffield and yeah. pretty much everywhere in between and uh, rather bizarrely at that time am on am radio we had a bigger audience than the fm uh, fm radio stations and there were three fm radio stations in one in hull one in bradford and one in in sheffield um and uh yeah they loved us i mean we did really really well and they, i i felt that i got you know taken into people's hearts really and um i was very grateful for that because it is you're right it's quite it's quite difficult it, it was especially difficult for tina okay um especially because we're for a little while we both moved up to morpeth in newcastle and that for her especially felt a very long way from home and when i was subsequently offered the job um in yorkshire it wasn't quite like coming home but it was it was two hours closer to her family in, in cambridgeshire and much easier to get to um and we, you know she ended up working for a bank up there and uh i enjoyed my job and we had a, we had a pretty good life to be honest it was and right. i suppose for yourself being ex-navy you're used to being away from home so it wasn't such a big thing for yourself no i was fine with it really and you know i i think because of the the guys i was working with and and the team around the radio station at that time i mean it was just a they're a good bunch of people yeah. and um so like anything that's new like that if you're surrounded by good people and you 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 you're, you're taken into the family as it were then um it makes life much much easier so it's good but well, we're gonna have a little break for the adverts uh, when we come back we're gonna find out about the next chapter of the steve fountain story right then so we're back there's the earth song and michael jackson it's richard Boverson here until midday today here was steve fountain who was the program controller of radio bath we've got up to about 1990 i think it is steve and yes you're up in Leeds or up in Yorkshire now, aren't you? So, uh, so um, yeah, we were in Yorkshire actually until about 95, I think, somewhere like that. So we spent about five years up there, yeah. Got married up there. Okay. How was the wedding? Uh, it was brilliant. Small. We had, uh, there was 21 at our wedding uh, for Tina and I. We got married in Rotherham Registry Office. Um, our listeners were brilliant. They sent me wedding presents, money all sorts of stuff it was extraordinary really just what you need i got some better presents from some of the listeners than i did from the family <laughs> and we still got them i mean it's um yeah I, I, I do a lot of cleaning around the house so every now and then i get to dust something that a listener brought us for our wedding and stuff so it's really nice yeah oh, it was great i loved it out there it was really good so you're up in yorkshire you're yeah now doing that what happened next for you then? <clears throat> um at some point in time i was approached um by uh the group that uh owned gwr which is a, a local, you know, GWR yeah. where, where Bristol, Bath and, and Wiltshire, effectively. And they just bought a whole bunch of radio stations, including um, what have been Chilton Radio. Okay. And um, they, I had a call from uh, their um, kind of senior programmer, a fellow called Steve Orchard. And uh, Steve rang me and he said, I'd like you to come and talk to me. And I went down to Nottingham because they owned the radio station in Nottingham called Trent FM. And I had a chat with him. 
and um, over a period probably three to six months um, we got to the point where I was offered a job to go and work for one of their radio stations as a program controller okay and um, uh, that's that's precisely what happened that sort of got me into management and um, I ended up uh, running a radio station in Milton Keynes called FM 103 Horizon that had a brilliant team of presenters. One was called Chris Moyles. Oh, really? And, is, uh, has he gone on to anything else? Yeah, he or? did okay, didn't he? Yeah, he did he all, was right. all right. Yeah, Chris was on um, was on our late night show, okay. and uh, his work ethic and what he did and what he put into it, he entirely deserves. You know the the, the the progress that he made. It was brilliant. I genuinely think he's still the best radio presenter for me. He, um, um, he's right I, up there. Well, I don't listen to him that much these days. He's on Radio X, does mm. breakfast, and <laughs> he talks a lot. Yeah, but it's but it is actually very funny. You know, he's got some good people around him. Um, and I, yeah, I haven't listened to him for a while because I, I focus on what's going on here a lot of the time. And Radio X, I don't really, I, I don't consider any other radio station you can listen to a competitor here because we do something completely different from all the others and I know you want to talk about that later yeah. but um, yeah we had some a, a good team of people there and uh, uh, some of them got on to do uh, um, some really good some really good work but uh, yeah Chris or Moyles is definitely right up there there's no doubt about it yeah I, I say the one thing I always remember about Chris he speaks incredibly quickly but you can still understand him and that's yeah. quite a hard technique to have, actually. Yeah. A lot of presenters will speak very slowly, and it's kind of this sort of mode. Obviously, you've got the back in the day of the smashy and nicey type thing as well. Um, but Chris is his own personality, which I think is amazing. Well, I, and and that's the thing. I I, it, I think it's really important if you're if you're going into, especially into broadcast, to be authentic. Hmm. And it's better to be the first of your kind than somebody who sounds like half a dozen others yeah. and um, I, I always try to be authentic I know that I've got this kind of archetypal kind of radio voice I didn't start out like that back in the mid 70s it wasn't like that at all and I sent a demo tape off to a radio station called Radio Orwell in Ipswich and it came back and he said this was about 76 or something and he said uh, yeah I like the content but the voice is terrible Okay, you need to go away and do something about that and Which isn't great for radio, let's face it. Well, it's, it, it's today, um, it would be perfectly acceptable. But okay. back then, that kind of slightly North London, home counties slang, you know, just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, and it only uh, what changed was a, was a broadcaster called Derek Jameson. Mm -hmm. Derek Jameson came to do the breakfast show on Radio 2 after, I think, Ken Bruce had taken over from, uh, from, from Wogan. And, and Derek Jameson was like, oh, blimey, mate, you know, he was a probably like a proper extender. And that changed everything uh, for me at any rate. Uh, but by that time, I'd ended up with the, the, the voice I, I now have, you know. Which is, I made the comment to somebody recently, and, and I genuinely meant to say this in a different way. I meant to say, you've got a great voice for radio. And what I said is, you've got a great face for radio. Which, <laughs> well, I think perhaps you're right on both counts. You're definitely right about the face. The voice is up for others to decide. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the face. Yeah, my face is perfect for radio. You're but, of course, radio is a, a visual medium. It always has been. And it's even more visual today because 
we, we don't have them yet, although we're getting them. But, we, you know, you have cameras in studios where yeah. people can see what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure that's a good thing all the time, but anyway. Well, you never want to know sometimes what goes on <laughs> behind the scenes. But um, So we're, we've now gone to GWR. Yeah, I, I, I went to GWR. I managed um, FM 103 Horizon for a while. Then I went up to um, uh, Leicester Sound for about uh, a year or 18 months. Um, I enjoyed that. And <clears throat> then one day... Um, I was offered a chance to come and run GWR Wiltshire and Bath and uh, you know I moved to Bradford-on-Avon 25 years ago to run that station and I've lived in Bradford-on-Avon although I haven't I haven't been with GWR for uh, over 20 years effectively I left there in 2002 or something yeah um, but I've lived in Bradford-on-Avon and just worked in different places throughout that period of time okay so you've got to GWR you then yep. left 20 years ago what happened yeah after I, that? I, uh, I was made redundant effectively okay. uh, I mean I, I think it was that was my choice um, and I went back into uh, AM radio for a little while um, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that I worked on uh, um, classic gold for uh, bristol and bath so the whole of the southwest broadcasting out of the the, the studios in, in in bristol um i was in a, a sort of lower level management role as well i used to manage all of the local radio um presenters on that network and um so i could find myself in norwich one day and wrexham later right. in the week and plymouth on another day and so on and so forth so i quite enjoyed that uh, that was all right um and I suppose it would have been about 2005 or six when um, when other opportunities came knocking on the door and I, I decided to, to follow those up. So. And they were? Well, to begin with, um, I went and ran a youth station in um, Bournemouth called uh, Fire. Um, and then uh, I was at a radio conference in london i was only there about i suppose i was only at fire about six or eight months i was at a radio conference in london and uh, a friend of mine who i hadn't seen for a long time penny penny williams um said to me you know how are you and i said oh it's good to see you so on and so forth and all that sort of stuff uh, what are you doing and i told her and i said what are you up to and she told me and she said funny enough i was talking to my husband about you last night um and he said you need steve okay. at, at the km group Okay. And I said, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to move at the moment, Pen. I'm absolutely fine." And the next day, <laughs> I had a meeting with um, our regional director, John Baker, at uh, in Bournemouth, and um, and he said, "How's it going?" And I said, oh, "I don't know." I said, "I don't think I quite fit here, really." Um, so we came to an agreement that I I was going to move on, and I literally going home in the car driving back up to here in the car i phoned penny and said you know that conversation we had yesterday now be a good time to have another conversation <laughs> and that's i mean that's how radio is you know yeah. you, you sort of over a very long period of time you get to know lots of people and it sort of comes back to that learning process that i you know what, what i learned after leaving chilton was that it's no good being a plonker you you've got to be nice to people yeah. in every way you can and be nice to people on the way up and be nice to people on the way down it's all those old you know you've heard all that stuff yeah, before manners manners cost nothing but bad manners cost you everything Ex exactly right and um uh, and i have managed people that um i always say uh, when anyone says how's it been i said i've been hired and fired by people that i've you know 
hired and people that I've fired. Okay. Um, because you, it's quite a small world, really, and our, our business, and you just meet people all the time. And I'm going to a radio conference next week. Um, on Tuesday, there'll be a load of people there that I don't know, certainly, but there'll be a huge amount of people that I do know. And it's like catching up with old friends when you go to stuff like that. That's amazing. So you then ended up in the K- is it KM group? It's the KM group, yeah, KMFM in Kent. And um, I was their uh, program director and then became sort of, um, station MDs we had seven radio stations in Kent uh, for uh, six years wow um, <clears throat> but I was still living in Bradford on Avon travelling to Kent and back on a, a sort of Monday and a Friday and that sort of thing and it got quite tiring after a while and in yeah. the end I said to uh, Richard Elliott who was the MD at the time um, I think it's time for me to be able to move on we've done as much as we can do here we've done all the things you wanted me to do and you you don't need me now you need somebody else with a completely new approach right and so i i moved on a guy called rob wills uh, went and did that job um and he's still there today some 10 or 12 years later so. amazing and then from km group what happened after that for you um when i left i didn't have a job to go to um and that was okay uh but just as i said i have friends in the industry and uh, a friend of mine who ran a music software business <coughs> called RCS, <coughs> um, said, what are you going to do? I saw him at a radio conference, and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. He said, why don't you come and work for Arkiva? And um, Arkiva is a is a transmission business that nobody knows but everybody uses. I mean, if you listen to the radio or you watch TV, yeah. it all comes from Arkiva. And I, I said, oh, for goodness sake, they've got a terrible reputation. <laughs> And I think I've got a half-decent reputation. If I go to Arkiva, people will wonder what on earth's happened, you know. Yeah. So he said, well, that's precisely why, why, why we need people like you. And, uh, and that's what happened. I went to Arkiva in May um, 2000 and whenever it was, 2000 and I can't remember now exactly, 2011, 2012, something okay. like that. And, um, and I spent nearly 10 years there. Uh, and most of the time I really enjoyed it it was great in fact when I first went into radio stations I, I, I sort of managed the accounts for a whole bunch of radio companies f- on behalf of Arkiva and when I first went in program controllers and managing directors would hug me saying for goodness sake at last they've hired somebody who knows what it's like where we are so um, I, I, yeah most, mostly I quite enjoyed that yeah and I still keep in touch with those guys that, um, that I, I was with then so yeah that's fantastic and then I'm guessing not long after that radio bath was well called. I retired I, uh, so I mean I know you've had Lorraine on so she's given you the radio bath story but a radio bath was always an idea that, that um, uh, sort of floated around in my mind or a concept that's turned out to be radio Bath. Um, there wasn't really local radio. There's lots of local radio frequencies, but they're all quasi-national brands, whether it's Heart or Capital or yeah. Absolute or whatever it is. And, and they're all really good radio brands. They do a great job. Fantastic. And, um, you know, I kill for half the hours that they get. But um, it, they don't really produce anything on a that you would call local no you know they wouldn't do anything like this talking to local businesses and local organizations um because that's not what they're designed to do that's just not their remit um and so um getting together with simon and and with lorraine um was the spark that uh, that got radio bath up and running and we we started on the 5th of november 2020 I was still in my full-time job then. That date was also the, the, the first day of the second lockdown period. Right. So nobody was going anywhere, as you know, during the pandemic. And 
therefore um i used to rather than work at home i'd come and work in here and there'd be the presenter in the studio and i'd just be sitting in my in my office um and we'd never get close we'd we'd shout across the room and all that sort of stuff see you next week and all that kind yeah. of thing um uh, and when i was on the air i'd also be having you know perhaps teams meetings going on with my business at, with the company at the same time and so i'd have my laptop on the windowsill with the teams call going on i'd be in here sitting where you're sitting saying to them just bear with me a second i'll just <laughs> do a quick link turn around did my link got back on the call but it was okay because they all knew that i was retiring at the end of the following year okay. so um everybody cut me a load of slack really it was i mean i think in many ways um a lot of people would have been told you can't do that you've got to focus on what you're doing here but i managed to do i managed to do both i think quite well um um people at archiva might disagree with that but uh, i'll see them next week so we'll see we will find out we're gonna yeah. have another little break for adverts when we come back we're gonna be talking all about presenting and how we do it There's Amy Winehouse and Back to Black. I'll put my teeth in today. Back to Black. There we go. Uh, we're back for our second hour with the boss of the station, the programme controller. It's Steve Fountain here. How was the first hour for you, Steve? Easy. Easy. That's all good. <laughs> we're going to go on to presenting skills now. Which oh, that's is more difficult. Obviously what I'm doing right now with yourself. Um, so first question to you, what makes a good radio presenter? Uh, gosh. Um, well, firstly... I think there's no straightforward answer to that question because we're all different. Um, but it's a word I mentioned earlier on. It's about authenticity. And I, I think you just need to be, first and foremost, authentic. You need to be honest to yourself about who you are. And if you think about the great broadcasters over the years, and there have been a number of them, but more recently, you know, people like Wogan. Yeah. I mean, Wogan was the governor. Yeah. And it was so easy you know, he just made it appear nice and simple because actually for him it was simple. Um, he just had a fantastic command of the language, um, a sensational sense of humour. He never ever gave anything away. I mean, you listen to lots of radio stations away and they're giving it today and they're giving away massive amounts of cash to mm. entice people to listen. You didn't win anything like that with, with Wogan. I mean, you just, what enticed you to listen was him his conversation and the you conversation wanted to, you wanted to listen to him of course you and did, that's the yeah. thing isn't it yeah, you didn't exactly, yeah. you didn't have to listen to him you wanted you wanted to, to listen, listen to him. him he was a he was a you know an appointment to listen um and there have been others we talked about moylesy when moylesy went to uh, radio one he became an appointment to listen when chris evans was at radio one um he was definitely an appointment to listen um, it's probably the same for him when you're, I'm tend to be here listening to us, but it's probably the same now he's at Virgin. You know, these are all masters of their craft. And by the way, there are lots of very, very, very good people in uh, in in sort of local radio stations around the UK um, that are also masters of of what they do for the particular service that they're on. There's a there's a guy that I've known for years called um, Gary Vincent. Gary and I worked on uh, worked on GWR for a good number of years, and we're still mates. He works for Smooth these days, and he's on in the evenings. And what's demanded of him is a is a particular kind of broadcast, 
and it's not conversational it's just this is that was yeah you know this is going on and he he's just a master at it he's brilliant and it's all as far as i understand it it's nearly all pre-recorded so right. you know he comes off the back of an hour because he's broadcasting different parts of the uk and to try and make it as local as possible yeah. he'll do like 10 links send them all off to somewhere to be um uh, dropped into wherever they need to go into and um uh it, and he's very very good at it and it's, it's a bit like voice tracking you know it's uh so explain what voice tracking so is. voice tracking is that. if you can't be here live um uh, the, the technology today allows you to pre-record your your links and the bits you want to say and just drop them into the music and it's it's technically very simple to do um and for some people it's also quite challenging because it's you're not live so therefore you approach it in a different way and uh, but you shouldn't you should just approach it in just the same way as you'd approach anything else and steve like. wright was pulled up on this wasn't he because sunday morning love songs has always been voice tracked for as many years it as was i've pre-recorded, pre-recorded time, so yeah. Yeah. yeah and people actually weren't aware of that for a long long time well the issue was that he was inviting people to contact the yeah contact the show and um of course he wouldn't get to see him until <laughs> wednesday or something you know so um whenever he was recording the show so yeah you have, you have to be mindful of that and there's been lots of incidents of that over the years where um you know winners of prizes have all been a bit um not as random as you might suppose them to have been are you saying it might have been the producer of the show that called in possibly i don't know but uh, <laughs> it's certainly things like that happened you know family members and all that so we had a we had an issue when i was up at um um uh, classic gold in yorkshire um where we had a uh, a mystery voice competition that ran to you know 1500 pounds or something and you go this is in the 19 early 1990s or something so uh it ran to about 1500 pounds and um uh the winner turned out to be the next door neighbor of one of our presenters <laughs> right <laughs> and we never really ever did i mean i think you can guess what happened but yeah but we could never prove it so but there you are it's so, different today everything's done in a slightly different way today so, so you've got good. lots of different programs haven't you so you're just mentioning about the program where this was that song this is going to be the next song and that's kind of <coughs> what normal radio is to a large degree by and large yeah. the radio we're on right now is actually quite unusual for a daytime radio program um how do you feel about that uh i feel great about it um uh, there's a couple of things i needed to think about differently having come from the commercial radio world um uh, because everything in the commercial radio world is about chasing listeners uh, through playing lots of great songs, essentially, really, and not saying very much. Uh, and, you know, there was no point in us coming into Bath, setting up Radio Bath and doing that because it's already being done. And, yeah. frankly, others would do, it, would do it better than us. So um, we needed something different. And um, that whole position about becoming a voice for, for Bath and, the, and, and beyond... Um, and beyond principally means west west wheelchair but um we needed to be able to have a radio station that talked to local people about local issues local businesses local charities you know local areas do we want to talk to twerton the people running something in twerton or the lark hall or in bradford on avon or trevor melchon wherever it was and um uh that's that's what we decided to do and we, we we didn't worry too much about the number of people listening we wanted to build our audience because we don't have a six-figure sum of money to go and spend on advertising 
um, we needed to build our audience in a different way and we, we, we decided to build it through talking to communities so for instance um, you're a really good example you know you, you come here you do a great job but you've got a community that you 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 are a part of outside of what you do here and and we knew instantly because you showed us you demonstrated it that that community your your Ciroc community your dance community became mm. a part of yeah. Radio Bath in a sense and they may only listen for the, the two hours that you're on but it's fine they're very that's loyal okay. yeah, exactly <laughs> and, and that's absolutely fine um, you know, we 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 took the decision to build our audience through communities. So if we were talking to Lark Hall, the people in Lark Hall, we would notify them. This is what we're going to do. You know, we know people in Lark Hall. They would tell their friends. So we're talking about Lark Hall. Why would you not listen? Or Twerton or, yeah. you know, um, Milsom Street or the circus area, wherever it is. So that's why we go out and do all these um um, so-called outside broadcasts they're really remote but because um, we we literally turn up with a, a laptop and a microphone and a mixer and we, we, we talk to people in different so for instance last Friday Simon um, was at uh, a conference at the Apex Hotel 3SG with about 60 or 70 other charities and we talked to those charities um, and through talking to those and establishing some kind of position with those charities some sort of relationship we hope that those at least some of those people will listen from time to time so um you know do we have listeners yes how many we got i've no idea but i know we've got them i know what our online listening is it's around about eight thousand hours a month and it's 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 growing nicely um but i don't get too bogged down by it because it would there's just no point you know i mean i've loved the fact that um you know you've given us as presenters kind of some license to do what we want to a large degree and like i've had live lounges in here which and again for these local bands they wouldn't have had a chance where else would they have a chance to appear on radio they wouldn't and it just wouldn't exist so. no, and, and 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 where they could have done with with the bbc you know um bbc radio bristol does a brilliant job um they focus mostly on bristol and you uh, they don't completely ignore this area but they focus mostly on bristol you understand that it's a it's a city of you know approaching a million people and that's where the news is if you like yeah. that's where the content is to, to to a greater degree um they have some good people locally people like ali vowels who uh, who do concentrate on on what's going on uh, in and around bath but by and large there's not a lot of news as it were comes out of bath it's nearly all coming out of bristol and that that area so um and the other thing is, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got knocking on the door of 50 volunteers here, most of whom are on the air. If you're going to come in here and give up two hours of your daytime, you don't want to have too much of a prescribed way mm. of doing things. Um, so, yes, we provide you with two hours of music. And if you want to play all that music, that's fine. Um, but if you want to change something and bring a song in that you happen to like or somebody asks for it, that's fine too to be yeah. honest with you that's okay you know hence we've played the beatles and elo so far today well you won't hear that much anywhere else outside probably greatest hits no not really so over the years i'm guessing you've presented lots of different types of shows all day parts yeah so what's been kind of your favorite type of show that you've had to do then i've enjoyed them all but for different reasons richard it's um i like having conversations with people hmm. um i suppose what i what i enjoy most about what i'm doing now is that i don't have the pressure of building the audience we've got the pressure of making sure we bring enough money in because it costs us you know broadly between 70 and eighty thousand pounds a year to run radio bath so we, we, in order for us to stay here we've got to continue to bring that money in and the team around us are helping us with that um but what i enjoy is having those 
conversations with as i did yesterday with maiden and you know and wessex water are coming in, in a couple of days time uh, you know so all these people coming in and talking to us and, and i learn a lot from that yeah and and they all ask me the same thing what are we going to talk about and i said I've no idea it's up to you you know i'll ask i know what my first question will be yeah. and where it goes after that depends on what it is that you you um you, you know you come back with a with a response by so you can do that as an experienced presenter um so literally you just have your first question and you think right we're just going to do follow-up question after follow-up question but i'm guessing for many other people they'll need to almost have a list of questions well you can do that, that. Do. you can do that if that's how you feel comfortable doing it um and it's always good to have a backup plan because not everybody is that conversational as you know um i mean a lot of them when they come in here the three ladies that came in yesterday one of them in particular was was quite nervous and um you know i said look firstly it's not an interview it's just a conversation if you can imagine we're in a city center coffee shop we're just sitting down and saying tell me about your business what do you do yeah um now i sort of have a backup plan in my head i probably haven't got it written down but the, the key thing i i met michael parkinson once um and um i sort of asked him you know if if you were advising somebody coming new to the business what would you say he said and he said have a conversation and listen yeah just listen he said you need to be prepared because as i've just said not everybody is and he had a number of experiences which are well documented about people who didn't want much to say um didn't have much to say but uh he said mostly just know where you want to go ask the first question then just see where it takes you yeah. he said and quite often it will take you off in places that you you perhaps even haven't considered he said and it can be more interesting that way so yeah and that's what i do i i i, I know what i'm going to say to start with i pretty much um know if i've got, I've got a backup plan if it goes a bit quiet avoid asking questions that just need yes or no answers closed obviously closed question. questions that's yeah. the thing um find something interesting to talk about that interests you and then talk about it in an interesting way for your listener yeah and that's the other thing you only have a listener you don't have listeners because radio is a one-to-one medium so you use the words you and i a lot um and when i'm air checking and i've always done this over the years whether i was air checking moyles or tony blackburn or one of the guys you know you from here i i listen to what you're saying and i'm listening for that one-to-one element so it's you how are you today hello yeah. listeners and all that sort of you don't do any of that you know it's it's all about you and i yeah and it's a one-to-one medium and it's the best one-to-one medium there is i love radio genuinely i used to do hospital radio many many years ago and so i didn't did I. do it for for a long time and you know very fortunately early this year i came back into here and genuinely it's an amazing place to be i love being here and uh it's yes we're all volunteers um but i almost feel privileged like certainly when i'm doing the live lounges i'm getting a private concert because i just feel like they're performing <laughs> to me which is kind of the principle of radio we need isn't to it? get just, chris martin in that'd be quite nice that it? would be nice you think we could do that yeah I'll, I'll see i'll see what i can do now over the last 40 years or so you must have had some on-air moment where you thought wow how has that happened or something like well, that well i had one on the first night i was on the air at chilton radio in okay. october the 15th um I, I played a song by a guy called tim curry and there was an expletive um right. in the middle of the song um and i was completely stunned and i thought oh, i'll just i'll let that run it probably won't happen again <laughs> And and then it did happen again, and and the, and the worst of it was, it was sort of an a cappella form, so he just spoke out loud. So it was really clear. It was very clear. Yeah. And um, uh, 
I thought, how am I going to get out of this? So I queued up a record because it was all turntables. I queued up a record and uh, I lifted the needle off one and I started Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street, <laughs> which I knew was was safe. Um, piece of learning from that, always know what you're going to do. Don't leave it to chance. Yeah. That's the thing um, when it comes to music especially. And back then, I mean, to have an expletive on a song, although it was beyond eight o'clock at night or wherever it was i mean the sort of watershed is is supposed to be about nine o'clock but it sort of doesn't quite exist in the way it used to exist um but um yeah back then to have an expletive in the middle of a song was quite something today you have to be careful when you download music mm. that you don't have something explicit in it so um that's another challenge but uh, yeah so that happened and then the next morning my managing director colin mason said how did your show go last night steve i said yeah i quite enjoyed it colin he said yes yeah. he said there was a couple of interesting moments right and I said, okay. He said, what did you learn from that? I said, no, what are you going to do? He said, yeah, okay, fine. Because yeah. my career could have just ended <laughs> there and then. Um, and there have been others over the years. In management, presenters can always drop you in it um, from a complaints point of view. I suppose when I was at Classic Gold in Bristol, um, I invited um, Murray Curie in to come and um, have a conversation um, they're a they're a end of life care mm-hmm. charity, they're very well known. And what they did was they there was a nurse that came in, there was a fundraiser that came in, and there was somebody who's who was a widow. Her husband had been cared for by Murray Curie, and um, we sat and talked in this way for about an hour, and it was it was extraordinary. Um, you know, everyone was in tears, apart from the nurse actually, but everyone else was in tears, including me. And um, and I, I said on the air, you know, what can we do to help make a difference? How can we help fundraise? And they started talking about treks. And I said, okay, I'll go on a trek. And um, uh, I said, and, you know, maybe if we're fortunate enough, this was a sort of quasi-national show with a decent-sized audience. And I said, well, maybe if we're fortunate enough, we might get a few listeners to come on. I thought we might get half a dozen or something. Yeah. And we ended up running about four treks for 120 people. We wow. raised about a million pounds. I mean, it was an extraordinary thing. And uh, Classic Gold really supported it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I subsequently I became a patron. I'm still a patron for Marie Curie today. So. Amazing. I have the pleasure of doing uh, skydiving next year for the, uh, uh, for the Children's Hospice, which I announced live on air as well. Excellent. So good, yeah. So, yeah, if anybody Be wants to join me for that, <laughs> anybody wants to join me for the skydive, you are more than welcome to do. Uh, we're going to have another very quick break for music. When we come back, we'll be chatting to Steve even more. She's Electric by Oasis. It's Richard Bolton here until midday today. On a story to tell, we have Steve Fountain, the programme controller of Radio Bath, in with us chatting so far. And we're going to talk all about programme controlling now, Steve. So it's something you've done for quite a long time, I believe. Most of my career, I think. Yeah, certainly the last 30 years or so, 25 years, I suppose. Yeah. So what is the official job title of a programme controller then? What does it actually entail? Well, the, the job title, these days it's moved on from programme controller. The, uh, the, the modern term is content director okay, or content controller or something like that. That's what um, all the big radio stations have these days. It's broadly the same job, but your responsibility is for the content you've got on the air and, uh, and the people that uh, provide all that content, whether it's... Um, uh, your music schedulers, your uh, uh, commercial schedulers, 
or your presenters i mean we most radio stations will have a team of say 10 or 12 presenters um because when you you know somebody who's coming on to do mid-morning 10 till 12 will be doing mid-morning monday to friday yeah you know and they'll probably do a four-hour shift rather than a two-hour shift or that sort of thing um but it, the, the 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 essential kind of bits about the the job don't matter whether you've got 40 presenters or or 10 presenters it's essentially the same thing trying to give feedback to encourage people to do um to do well um uh searching for new talent uh, that's something that um uh fortunately people are now coming to us so that's quite good even this week we've had a uh, number of people come forward saying they'd like to come and do stuff and not everybody wants to be on the air that's the thing i'm finding now so that's quite nice um, but yeah the essential role of a program controller is to try and make sure that you can keep a certain standard of your of your of what people can listen to whether it's spoken by somebody or whether it's played or whether it's something that's pre-recorded yeah and i suppose the difficult part is choosing who goes where so who would get the breakfast show which has always been kind of seen as the as the top show yeah um and drive time show is another one that's again been that sort of scenario so how have you selected who have who you've chosen to do those shows over the years um mostly it's not always been easy and i certainly haven't always got it right um not sure if i ever got it completely right if i'm honest um i I, it's it's different types of character and personality and attitude that largely determined who goes where um uh for a long time i had the privilege of working with tony blackburn the word legend by the way gets banded (laughs) around a lot but he is without question a smashing bloke and a true legend there's no doubt about it and he was made for breakfast radio he's very you know he's always cheerful sickeningly so a lot of the time um but he's just always you know up there he's always energetic and um and he still is and when you listen to his shows on radio 2 or radio london or whichever particular bbc station he's playing for there's always loads of energy and he loves it he absolutely loves it now i have a question about that because i i did an interview and i was being interviewed and it was community radio station and the lady that was talking to me she was talking in a quite (coughs) quite normal voice like this and it was much higher than this i have to say um but she was talking in a normal voice and then she went on radio and all of a sudden she had loads of different it was complete it's like a completely different person um how's tony in real life compared to his radio personality he's pretty much the same is he yeah i i mean he's just a highly enthusiastic individual (laughs) for a bloke who's 80 you know um and i love him for that i i like him i i'd speak to him on i I saw last time i saw him was at a wedding um in august last year but i've spoken to him a couple of times since he's been on here with me a couple of times he came with his um sounds of the 60s show to the forum in bath and and we got him on and the first thing he said to me before we go anywhere this is live on here before we go how long did it take you to come up with the name radio bath you know (laughs) i mean he's just he's just a, a great guy um but uh and he's somebody else who's completely authentic he hasn't changed since the day he no. did his first show on radio one yeah you know 50 years ago or whatever it was 60 years ago um to today he's basically exactly the same so um yeah it's it's um it's just about being able to extract the best of any individual that you can and some people are better at breakfast they're morning people others are better in the evening they're nighttime people um i've always felt that i can more or less fit in anywhere breakfast here i don't think is our is our most important show i think our most important shows are 
pretty much what happens after after 10 o'clock so 10 till 12 on a thursday is what you're saying is the Very most important, important show <laughs> at this point um so if you were in control of a station and for instance it went off air or something like that how would you con- how would you handle that sort of situation then i'm quite calm um, the services gave me the ability to be very calm. Some people have seen that over the years as not caring. <laughs> I see it as not running around like a headless chicken, wondering what's going to happen next. Um, we do have our fair share of issues here, um, technically, because we don't have an on-site technical person. Um, and stuff does tend to happen, mostly when I'm not around. It's That's just the inevitability of Murphy's Law, really. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm OK. I mean, I've I've learned a shed load of stuff that i didn't know Mm. prior to launching radio bath and i've said many times i wish i'd spent more time paying attention to and listening to the chief engineers i worked with over the years but you know you have those people when something goes wrong you pick up the phone or you call them in to come and do it and they fix it and you get on doing the other things that you need to do um so it's fair enough up to a point but I, i didn't really ever envisage that time so far back that i thought i'd be doing this no and how has your time been on radio bass you know we're going to talk about radio bass shortly but how has it been just kind of doing the program set up and are you happy with where everybody is at the moment have you got some plans as it goes on um yes i think i'm broadly happy i'm never 100 percent happy um and that's not with any individual or particular no. individual it's just i'm always looking to do whatever it is we're doing better and do the next thing you know um but it's challenging i mean you know working with working with a bunch of commercial people that get paid you have certain things that you can deal with in a certain way um with volunteers it's quite different you know it it doesn't happen often but it has happened where i get a call 15 minutes before saying i can't be there is that okay and sort of like well not really but okay you know you're a volunteer you're giving up your time so um that's just how it is and and to begin with i used to get not upset but i think why don't they just think about this a bit more but now i just accept that that can happen and uh it's just the way it is and if something goes wrong something goes wrong and i'm relaxed and i'll try and fix it as quickly as i possibly can if i'm not here i'll try and fix it remotely or if i need to come in i'll and i'm at home i'll come in from bradford on over and i'll fix it that way so well, we're going to talk much more about Radio Bath shortly, but we do have a question in from Robbie, who's one of the presenters here. Uh, so she says, would you do anything different in your career? Um, I suppose the, the benefit of hindsight is it, it works for everybody, really. But no, okay, I think is the, is the basic. And, and the main reason for that is what's happened has happened you can't change any of that you know i i look back on how i dealt with some people in the early days of my time in radio and how i was because i went from being perfectly reasonable bloke quite rational to being perfectly unreasonable and very irrational and behaving badly um and that was just radio that did i couldn't somehow deal with it all um but i'm very happy where i've ended up and my relationships with all those people back at that time are uh, the people that I'm still in touch with are fine. Um, they're good. So, um, but would I do anything from a career perspective differently? No, I don't think I would really. No. 
No, I don't think so. Fair enough. I think I'm pretty happy with where I am. You always seem very happy, which is lovely. Yeah, I'm generally speaking quite a cheerful, positive individual. I, I, I don't see much point in being any other way. And nobody cares anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you ever somebody who says to you, you pass somebody in the street you haven't seen for a while, how are you? I'm fine. They're 10 years up the hill before Absolutely. you, you know, um, they're asking you because they feel they need to ask you. So, uh, yeah, I'm generally always all right. It's, there's, there's no point in being any other way. Um, uh, and I, I generally look forward rather than back for most things. I mean, yeah. some things you need to look back when you think, yeah, we didn't do that very well or we did that particularly well. I want to learn from that. But, I, for instance, things like reunions and things, I don't do many. I mean, radio reunions are very common. Everybody wants to talk about, hey, it wasn't the good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fine, but I, I just don't do many of those things. No. The reason I'm going to a conference next week, and there's another one called Tune In with the Radio Centre at the end of September, is because they're talking about what's going to happen. And I'm okay. interested to know what's going to happen next. Where do they think the industry as a whole is going to go? Because um, that may have an impact on, on what we're doing here. Absolutely. Well, we have a couple more questions which we're going to come back to okay, when we start yeah. talking about Radio Bath. Another quick break. Back after this with Steve Fountain. There's the final countdown in Europe. So here is Richard Burbson here until midday today with Steve Fountain, who is one of the co-founders of Radio Bath. <laughs> so, Steve, we mentioned earlier that Radio Bath was conceived <clears throat> in 2020, November 1920. Well, it was probably conceived a decade before that, Richard, but that's when we actually launched 2020, right. yeah. 2020. There was a lot of conversations and umming and ahhing and all that sort of stuff went on in between. And then um, the moment to do what we needed to do just seem to make itself available and visible and um uh so yeah i i, I found out lorraine and i said you know we've been talking about this for long enough it's time we just got on and did it really so and it was yourself and lorraine that started uh well it was myself and lorraine and richard um simon and i have been involved in a little internet thing in bradford on avon during the pandemic so um and he'd had a bit of experience of radio in uh, america when he lived out there as a younger man so the three of us got together and and the really interesting thing is that uh, the three of us it's the chemistry that makes the thing mm. work more or less uh, you know simon is somebody who's very much a detailed person um dot size crosses t's you know he's a former diplomat he's got a great way with words all that sort of stuff um and uh you need someone like that. So we made him our managing director. Okay. I mean, don't really need a managing director, but we made him our managing director. Uh, Lorraine has lived in Bath all of her life. She's a former mayor of Bath um, from 2002. And um, because of her lifetime here and the history that goes with her life here, she just knows everybody. So she looks after all the community stuff. She had an events business for a while. And... Um, uh, so she looks after all of our events so if we do a fundraiser or some event in one of the areas around Bath that I've already referred to then um, she generally manages all that and brings that all together and I I just look after all the, the on air side and try and kind of manage the, the day to day aspects of it which includes um, not just on air but also the, the revenue side of it as well because I've already mentioned we need to bring in sort of 70, 80 grand and that's that's before we get into any kind of you know uh, situation where you can consider that we've made a, a profit I mean we are not a not-for-profit organisation we want to make a profit but we want to we want to put that profit back into the community so and we've been able to do that um, in some small way up to now but um, we want to do more of that we're coming up to our third birthday um, I think that given the current 
economic circumstances it's remarkable we've lasted that long so um you know but again we've got some good people our trustees are good people there there's some radio people that that are in there as well there's some business people uh we're meeting tomorrow morning to be fair and um you know we've got a all round a good package but the thing that simon lorraine and i have is if you took one person out of that three it probably wouldn't work or certainly wouldn't work as well so yeah um, and if people wanted to get involved as a trustee or a patron how would how would they go around contact that? me steve at radiobath.com okay and we'd love to talk to you you know and advertising you, as well i'm guessing yeah i mean if you want to become a partner which is a, a nicer way of putting advertising you want to become a patron uh, if you want to become a trustee or if you just want to get involved in some aspect of what we do whether it's on the air off the air back office stuff uh, we have a we have a need for all of those things so and some positions get a little bit of money most don't um, but i think if you're trolling around the streets and knocking on people's doors and saying would you like to become a partner or a patron for radio bath then you should be um you should be um uh, recompensed for that so um some people are a little bit um uh, uh, victoria who looks after all the the, the web stuff uh, to make sure the website's up to date she has a regular full on she's my daughter but she lives in luton you know three three cats um three children three Three cats, two dogs, and a husband, and a full-time job working for uh, Oxford City Council. Um, I mean, she's busy, but we give her a little bit to look after that because actually, it's an element that we absolutely need, and everybody yeah. relies on. She does all the social media. Um, that's that's largely about it, really. And how have you seen the place change over the last three years? Mm. I've been here since February, and even in that time, I've seen it change quite dramatically, actually, in loads of different ways behind the scenes. So, over the last three years, how have you felt it's changed? Um, we've learned um, uh, from an organisational point of view to get more organised. We've just changed the structure of what the three, Simon, Lorraine and I, do a little bit. To uh, Simon's now got a full-time job, so that means that there's other stuff that Lorraine and I are taking on. Um... Uh, uh, you know the volunteers when we launched we were in a pandemic there were people that were able to come on and do stuff and and some of those had to go back to work Um, so we've we've needed to to bring in other volunteers but as I said a moment or two ago Richard most of those have we've not really had to go out there and say come and volunteer for us mostly it's just sort of happened especially since the beginning of this year yeah. it was like a switch that flicked at the beginning of the year and people then started coming to us not just volunteers but patrons and partners and all sorts of things so um it's good but it is really really hard because as everybody knows there's a bit of a crunch on yeah. financially and so we have to keep on doing what we're doing um which is why i tend to i leave the others to look back and i tend to look forward because if you don't have somebody looking forward we won't we won't survive so looking forward then um bbc radio is becoming less and less local so yep. a lot of the stations are being closed down and sad, amalgamated sadness, yeah. it's really sad mm. okay um as radio bath as it is at the moment you know is there the option to try and grow it i suppose but also still try and stay local and that well we can grow the coverage area that's that's technically that's very easy for us to do um financially could be potentially a challenge there's small scale dab coming to this area bath um uh, uh, this side of bristol and going into west wiltshire all those licenses have been awarded and now they're waiting to be launched um and we may do some of that um 
I think we would like to get into the area of developing individuals um, through some training workshops and stuff like that. And, you know, we're talking to Wessex Water around this building about what we can do um, upstairs. There's room up there for us to be able to develop some kind of um, training scheme as part of the charity. And we've got lots of partners in, in the city that we're talking to that can help work with us on that idea and develop it and make it happen. But um they're just conversations at the moment because we can't do anything until we know we've got the space upstairs and if right. we can get that then we can we can move on that fairly quickly i would have thought so i suppose i you know i say i've not been here that long but kind of what's your vision for radio bath in five years do you have kind of somewhere you think oh i'd love for it to be doing this um i'd like us to be doing I'd, firstly i'd like us still to be here yeah um that's that's really important um but then i'd like us to be doing what we're doing now but in just a better way okay now i don't know what that way will look like but it will come through experience and learning not just for me and the and and lorraine and simon but actually for the for the team that are involved with us you know they're all they'll all have the opportunity to improve on what they do if they want to do it yeah Um, i'd like to get more of this kind of stuff doing you know work experience and people spending time with us and we get really good feedback from from that kind of thing so for the benefit of the tape steve's holding up some thank you cards yeah and these are just people that have been with us over the over the, the the summer and um and they're all very positive messages that we get back and actually for i think in each case that they've seen the experience as being life-changing which yeah. is which feels like a quite a big statement but the statement's made by the individuals themselves it's not made by us so yeah. you know and we'd like to do more of that um we'd uh, we, we've stretched ourselves into finding people to come on and do um uh, shows that uh, are more difficult to present like shows for the asian community because we're not a, there's not a huge asian community here in in uh, in bath and northeast somerset but we have a couple of really good um presenters on that they're on a wednesday evening um hema and akila and that you know that's great it brings all that diversity to yeah. what we're doing um i'm having a conversation with somebody at the moment who's in a wheelchair it, you know he would like to come and do something can he get access yes you can so you know we don't want to really say no to anyone and because we're not chasing the audience we can we can afford to bring people in that may not be you know the next tony blackburn but actually are just very good and interested and committed to what they're doing and that's more important to me than than uh, than than being the next big radio star but then again you never know you might have the next big radio star right in the building right now you never know, know. Yeah. you could be looking at him but who knows um <laughs> it's the weirdest thing i think i've ever said uh, we're gonna have a little break from you for some adverts when we come back it's time for the quick fire round with steve so we're back as Rich Bovesland here until midday today. Before we do our quick fire round, Steve, we've got a question, and this is coming from Paul. When do you think you'll start wearing long trousers? No, not any time soon if it stays like this. I, I tend to wear shorts April through to October. Right. Um, and uh, uh, I've probably only worn grown-up trousers about two or three times in that period. <laughs> grown-up <I> trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right, we're on to our quick fire round then. So first <clears> of all, everybody knows this question. What is, Steve, your favourite ice cream? Um, chocolate. 
chocolate any particular type of chocolate have to have no, like chunks just, in it no not necessarily just, just a nice good strong flavored chocolate ice cream just simply chocolate ice cream i'm with you on that i think i know the answer to this one because of what we chatted about earlier but uh, are you tidy or messy no i'm tidy you are tidy yeah. i can tell these yeah. things your desk is always immaculate i do the cleaning here i do the cleaning i love cleaning do you anyone needs a cleaner i'm available okay it's <laughs> so just in your spare time yes you're gonna go off and do some cleaning <laughs> fair enough uh do you love or hate roller coasters um i wouldn't choose to go on one unless i'm with my grandchildren and they force me to do it okay and if you had to go on one what what type of one would you like to go on is it the whirlitzers or just an up and down one no, i don't i don't I, the whirlitzers are not very good because i i get dizzy easily so yeah that would end up with a, a projectile vomiting <laughs> situation probably um right. so yeah up and down's all right up and down fair enough uh most important question do you hang your toilet roll over the front or behind the back we don't you don't okay no, tell me why but if i did if we had if we had um uh if we had one it'd be over the front okay now i was chatting to somebody the other day who listened to the show and they said it's actually patented that when they designed the toilet roll that it was patented over the front over the front yeah, yeah that's actually who would have thought <laughs> but you know you learn something new every single day you really do uh do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or from the cupboard i don't i having said i like chocolate ice cream i rarely eat chocolate okay i don't have a particularly sweet tooth i mean i like things like an apple pie or something every now and then yeah but uh i rarely eat chocolate i leave all that to tina she, okay. she's enough for both of us <laughs> so che- tina is the chocolate lover yeah definitely you've yeah. said that if i have radio. chocolate it's uh, it's dark chocolate okay uh, but I tend to only get it at Christmas, and that's when I'll eat there. Fair enough. Again, I think I know this one. Do you make your bed in the morning? Yes. Yes. Straight answer. Why is that then? Uh, I tidy everything before <laughs> I go out. I don't. If anyone breaks into my house, it's got to be tidy. So you're just purely <laughs> thinking of the robbers that are coming. Not really. In the house. But, but <laughs> if you don't do it, then you've got to do it later on in the day, and it's never a great thing to have to do. So no, I just. I mean, I think when it's really hot and such as it is now, we might throw the duvet back. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was made this morning before we both came out. So. And always the follow-up question: Are there any cushions on your bed? There's two little tiny cushions, one with an owl and one that's um, uh, just says "love" on it, basically. Okay. But they're tiny little things, and we, we, you know, they go on the bed in the morning, they go off in the evening. So. And again, I, I still don't understand that, but there we go. Um, what is your favourite breakfast? If you had to choose one breakfast, um, bacon and egg bacon and egg yeah okay and how would you like your bacon dunks people are very fussy about that uh not too crispy and are you a flipper of the eggs i don't mind that actually i quite like scrambled egg poached egg okay. i mean i don't have it very often no. um most evenings i'll just have a like a weetabix or something most mornings i'll have a weetabix or something yeah that's what i have here i've got a box of weetabix by them by my desk okay so. and the the biggest the biggest thing in the uh radio bath whatsapp group is is the milk, the milk. off <laughs> in the fridge it's i know it's a very local it's a great joke source us. of amusement to all of us yeah. but literally the whatsapp group is just filled with the, the milk is off again i don't know why the fridge is turned well up yeah you know our fridge is bad for the environment it's turned up that high really. okay and it needs defrosting on a frequent basis which i do but no the milk does go up. i don't know why we don't know why i have no explanation for that so i'm saying live on air that i think that steve has his milk on the weetabix in the morning and then leaves it out that's what i'm saying <laughs> don't tell anybody i said it though uh, what is if you had to what would be your go-to karaoke song oh that's a good question um it's always a hard question yeah, as well um 
off the top of my head i don't have an answer to that Richard, really. i've not really thought about it but it would probably be something that's easy to sing along to like an elton john song or something okay. like that saturday night's all right for fighting or something and then always the follow-up question is are you going to give us a little burst now no no <laughs> i knew that was coming out uh favorite tv program or film uh favorite tv program i'm i wouldn't call it binge watching but i'm catching up on doc martin at the moment i i i love that i think um he's an extraordinary character and plays it brilliantly and he's frustratingly annoying as well okay. that's doc martin doc martin yeah. i don't think i've ever watched it oh uh, yeah it's um it's uh, on itv catch-up it's it's filmed in uh, port isaac in in cornwall right and um it's 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 brilliant it's just i won't tell you too much about no. it no it's a it's a it's a really good show i love watching that favorite film um i'm a bit eclectic really the the, the one film i've watched more than any other film is the quiet man with john wayne okay i love the characters in that film it's just a great film it's again great film. it's one i've not come across yeah so. it's uh, filmed in southern ireland yeah right filmed. i will have to have a watch yeah, that. the quiet yeah. man it's called the quiet man yeah fantastic uh if you came back in your next life as an animal which one would you be and why a cat a cat it's always a cat oh because they're just so relaxed and laid back yeah aren't I think the strangest answer was last week, which was an octopus, but we're, we're not going back there. Um, <laughs> Why? Which, You're going to end up on somebody's plate. I, I asked that question. I, I'll be honest, I probably wished I hadn't. But uh, <laughs> there we go. And your last question, Steve, on your story to tell is, where is your happy place? Uh, home, to begin with. Um, and then, uh, if I'm travelling abroad, Italy. Okay. I, I go to Venice a lot. Tina and I go to Venice with our friends quite often. Uh, almost annually and i love venice and it's sort of untidy and scruffy but i love it i love the atmosphere when we go at the time of year we go is march and it's beautiful but yeah generally anywhere I, home would be my first happy place and then um, if i'm traveling it's um it's probably italy yeah no oh. steve you've been absolutely amazing on a story to tell today i think even the presenters have learned a lot from uh, from what you've said as well which has been really nice to hear You're i hope you've enjoyed it i have yeah it's been fun yeah, it's, it's been uh fun. must be quite different to be on the other side of the desk to a large degree well i've been asked questions that i don't normally get asked but yeah anyway, so it's fine well so. that's always quite yeah, nice good, to hear yeah. so uh you did good you did can I come do back a, next week can i come back next week i've still got a program <laughs> next week yeah well that's always good to know uh this has been richard bowers here on radio bath till midday i'll see you again next week Thank you.